It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, cruel coven. Hi, hot pockets. Hot pockets, huh? Hot pockets. Are they pepperoni? Yes. I'm Tori. And I'm Katie. And this is Cruel and Unusual. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. We hope you're all doing okay. Because shit is getting crazy out there in this world. Times are weird. Times are scary. Times are fucked up. Yeah. We hope you all have toilet paper. Oh my god, toilet paper. That is a sore subject in this house. You know what? I apologize for not being conservative enough with your toilet paper in your bathroom just now. (laughs) (laughs) Super sorry. It's okay. I'm just trying to re-teach myself from these bad habits of just grabbing a wad of toilet paper to clean my butt and my front. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your butt and your front. My butt and my front. Typically, I'll just (laughs) grab whatever I want, whatever I need. Don't really think about it. Now I'm like fucking rationing. I'm doing one or two squares and I'm really suffering. We've had to always kind of have to do that because... Our toilet clogs if you look at it the wrong way. Ooh. So I've taught my kids. They've, they've known they can only use well, so much. <laughs> teach me. I'll teach you. Did you see on your Facebook post how I talked about Grandma Bun? Yes. On your captain's yes. log? <laughs> Too bad you didn't just stick around longer. I know. My Our grandma, or well, actually it was our great grandma, used to keep a yardstick in her bathroom <laughs> to threaten us when we were babies <laughs> About using too much, yeah, kids, okay, fine. About using too much toilet paper. She would literally stand over me and make sure I used one or two squares. She was not having that shit. No. No, she would not stand for that. If I started to grab too much, she would just look at me and point to the yardstick. I would trust her to get us through the end times. (laughs) A million. still around. A million percent. So. Oh, before Tori kind of gets into this stuff, I'm just going to let you know, we record on Mondays. Our episodes go out on Thursdays. So this could change. Things this is change. Just our most current information. Yeah, things are literally changing by the minute. So what I'm going to talk to you about, since you don't even know yet, is <laughs> a little bit about the coronavirus and the history with coronaviruses, because it's not new. And then Katie and I are each going to get into our regularly scheduled stories. Mm-hmm. So just as a little disclaimer in the beginning. You guys should know and probably already know that Katie and I know nothing about anything, okay? We know a lot. No. We know a little about a lot. (laughs) We don't know a lot. That's it, basically. (laughs) In fact, we virtually know nothing about anything that is of actual importance. So just take what we're saying with a grain of salt, but know that we are trying to educate you as best as we possibly can by mentioning things from reputable sources that we will link in the show notes below. Just to elaborate on what Katie said, second disclaimer already, and we're only a couple of minutes into the episode, since this virus is spreading and changing by the day, by the time you, the listener, are hearing this, things could be vastly different. So keep in mind this information is up to date as of March 16th, 2020. 2020. If you're listening to this in 2022, at least we know we made it. Yeah. You know? Let's hope. It's not like the end times. Oh, it could be. Lori Pool Party could have been right. If any of you listened to, I think it was episode one or two, when we talked about the case of Lori Vallow, mm-hmm. and we just kind of jokingly said that the coronavirus is going to be the end times, and Lori and her little husband, Chad Daybell, are saying that the world's ending in July. So yeah. maybe they're fucking right, and they aren't as crazy as we think they are. 
I think they're wrong. They're wrong. I hope they're wrong. Let's move on. Okay. So the number one thing that I want you to understand in regards to the coronavirus is probably also the most important. Corona, the beer, has nothing to do with the fucking coronavirus. Say it again for the people in the back who are hard of fucking hearing. Corona, Corona, the beer, has nothing to do with the coronavirus. To do with the coronavirus. Okay? No, it's because corona means crown and that's what the yes. actual bacteria looks like. Yes. It's not bacteria, so, it's what the virus looks like. Go get hammered and stay crown. in your fucking PJs. That's okay? what you got to do. In all seriousness, though, the coronavirus is nothing new. This particular strain is, yes, but coronaviruses have been circulating amongst humans and other animal species for a long ass time. If you are hearing my words right now, number one, you're lucky. Number two, chances are you've been infected with the coronavirus at some point in your lifetime. It isn't uncommon. There are a few main coronaviruses. Ones that you may know are SARS and MERS, and then obviously the new COVID-19. There are several large groups of coronaviruses, and many of them infect animals. They cause both respiratory and GI illnesses. There are four main coronaviruses that are common and cause the common cold. Something kind of crazy that I found out is that there have been humans that have been purposely infected for studies. Isn't mm. that fucking weird? Normally they don't do that. Right. They, they'll, they'll do like human rats. trials for the vaccines and yes, stuff. But, but they're, they're wow. injecting the actual virus into people. That's nuts. Yeah. What we know from these studies is the main coronavirus is colonized in the upper respiratory tract like the nose and throat. Mm -hmm. A third of the people in the study didn't even get infected. The ones who did had mild colds. So like runny nose, sneezing, headache, cough, the usual, mild and moderate. The virus is transmitted by droplets. So when a person sneezes or coughs, they are just spewing droplets, which is fucking gross. Just thinking about that, (laughs) it's like you don't really see them. I mean, you probably could see a little bit, but there are still microscopic Yeah, most of the time it's invisible, so you don't even know. it's up to 10 feet, isn't it? I think six. Is it six? I would stay 10 feet away from anybody coughing or sneezing. I would stay fucking 50 feet. I would stay locked in my basement if you hear someone sneezing or coughing turn around walk the other direction doritos are not that important no and then go wash your hands yes and wash your hands just wash your fucking hands (laughs) okay because they are transmitted by droplets when a person sneezes or coughs they are just basically spewing droplets of the virus into the air and infecting others willy-nilly all willy-nilly like (laughs) willy-nilly willy-nilly like The droplets can also live on surfaces like doorknobs, conveyor belts at the grocery store, and common places that people are touching frequently. And fabric like your clothes for six hours. Mm -hmm. So while you're just going around hacking into your hands and then mindlessly putting your fruit onto the conveyor belt at the grocery store, you could be infecting people. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. So hack into your fucking crease of your elbow. Do you know what you can do? Something that I do that I learned, that I taught myself at a very young age. Hmm. If you feel like you have to sneeze, sometimes you just have to sneeze, right? But sometimes you can feel it. You get a little twitch in your nostrils, right? Okay. So if you feel that feeling, what you can do to combat that feeling is you can say, blue sky, green grass, orange, orange, (laughs) hot, red tamale. No. And then it'll go away. Try it. Try it. It's not going to work Basically what you do is you're just like kind of color associating, like so you're saying the color... And then the whatever you understand what I'm saying, I you're understand. not dumb. Just try it, because that's what I taught myself, so I wouldn't sneeze when I was in class. Okay, but if you know anything about me, you know that I have the worst damn allergies. That's true. And no word association is going to stop my sneezes. <laughs> I sneeze twenty <laughs> times in a row. I think my record's fifty. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. Humor me though. 
if anyone's listening and they don't, uh, they're not as fucked up as Katie, just try it and then let me know if it works. Because it works. It probably me. does if you're normal. The coronaviruses that I'm talking about have a great recovery rate. There are seldom life-threatening complications with these common coronaviruses. 10 to 30 percent of all common colds around the world are caused by one of the main four coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. So, to put it simply, we are not dealing with some crazy, uncommon, actual virus. The strain, yes. The Mm. coronavirus, no. We have studied coronaviruses for years, so we can actually just take comfort in knowing that we're going to be able to figure this out. It's just a matter of time Mm -hmm. and the lives that are being lost. Yeah, hopefully we can flatten the curve, as they say, until... I mean, it's going to be a while before there's a vaccine, but... They're learning more about it every day. And there are steps that we can take in the meantime to protect ourselves and the people that we love and other Mm -hmm. people in general. So breaking down the difference in common coronaviruses, many viruses colonize and affect the upper respiratory tract. So like I said, nose and throat, the common cold. However, some are able to affect larger organs and that's where it kind of gets tricky. So if you think back to SARS, severe infection with coronavirus started with SARS. Unlike with other coronas, they can extend infection to the lower respiratory tract and not just stay isolated in the upper. So SARS can colonize and invade the lungs, and the lungs are pretty damn important to functions that keep you alive. So this is where things get complicated and kind of dangerous. I'm about to get real fucking sciency on you. It'll be brief, and then I'm going to get back to my normal self. Okay? Okay. So a virus must enter our cells to replicate. They cannot replicate on their own. So the first step for them is to bind to receptors on our cells and use the receptors to get into our cells. Viruses will then bind to different proteins. It depends on where those proteins are found in our body. So where those proteins are found determines the tropism of the virus, which is basically the organs that the virus will invade. Mm -hmm. So SARS binds to ACE2. ACE2, I'm going to try and say this, angiotensin converting enzyme 2. Sure. Okay. I told you I'm getting sciency. Sounds great. If you guys want to skip over this, don't. Okay. These are important fucking things that you need to know. Correct? I agree. Okay. I agree. There are large quantities of this protein in our lungs and small intestines and other organs. Since it uses this protein to bind, it was able to attack those organs largely. So knowing which proteins these viruses bind to play a gigantic part in finding the right course of treatment. So that's what these scientists are trying to figure out. So SARS causes a lung infection, which sounds like, okay, no big deal. Give me a medication. The problem was there was no medication to take that will just get rid of that. The virus causes viral pneumonia. Fever is the number one symptom. And as the virus progresses, the symptoms obviously progress and amplify. A third of the people with SARS get better on their own. Mm -hmm. 29 to 39% need mechanical ventilation due to their lungs being so inflamed. Mechanical ventilation is the only treatment available. No antivirals are available. The issue at hand when SARS was spreading, like fucking wildfire, was that it's hard to get good information during an outbreak because you're just trying to save lives. Right. That's the main goal of any medical health professional during a severe outbreak, which is what we're dealing with right now with COVID. So with SARS, much was learned post-outbreak, which is basically, I would assume, was going to be the case with COVID. Mm -hmm. So what they found was people with SARS were most infectious 10 days after the initial infection. They did not become infectious until after showing signs of infection. So this made SARS easier to contain and screen because 
if you think about it, if you feel like complete donkey shit, you're going to stay home if you can, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to be out willy-nilly spreading shit to people. Well, yeah, hopefully. Depending on who you are, depending on if you <laughs> can stay home. But like me, I would fucking stay home. Right. Not spreading it, not going out because mainly for selfish reasons. Right. <laughs> but also, <laughs> also because I really, it's not my goal to get other people sick. Okay. So now let's switch pace and jump to MERS. MERS came onto the scene in 2012 and gained media attention after an outbreak in Saudi Arabia. Retrospective testing showed that the first case was actually in Jordan earlier in 2012. MERS presented very similarly to SARS. Fever, muscle pain, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, GI symptoms, rapidly progressive viral pneumonia. The MERS virus binds to protein called DPP4, which I'm going to fuck this up real bad. It's all right. Okay. You're trying. Dipeptidal peptidase 4. I like it. Good. <laughs> Approved. <laughs> Stamp of approval. I approve. I, I, do you know, did you see how hard I was thinking about that? You were, <laughs> Was yeah. there smoke coming out of my yeah. fucking ears? I could see like you were getting red. <laughs> and I probably really <laughs> fucked it up anyway. Okay. So this is another protein that is similar to the ACE protein, but it's in large quantities in the lungs and the kidneys. So another common symptom besides the viral pneumonia was renal failure, <sighs> which was different from SARS. Isn't that, fa- isn't that yeah. just like, I can't. Well, to have viral pneumonia, vomiting, and diarrhea just on its own, that's awful. Yeah. God. Can you imagine how bad people's assholes hurt? No. And then you can't breathe. No. uh. So then you have to get up to (sighs) diarrhea 10,000 times and you're heaving and puffing and hoeing. No. Okay. Heaving and hoeing. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully not hoeing too much. I said hoving. (laughs) Oh. Okay. I heard hoeing. All right. So here's the deal. MERS was much more deadly than SARS. The fatality rate was close to 40%. It was like 36%. And SARS was just under 10%. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know why? Why? So MERS was not as infectious as SARS. So you're probably thinking like, uh, hello, mm-hmm. why? Why are 40% of people dying? Well, 75% of those infected with MERS had some type of underlying disease, which is the same type of stuff as COVID. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, there are younger deaths, but there's a lot of older people who are dying with COPD well, and things like that. There's too. younger people that have autoimmune diseases too. It's not right. just older people, it's everybody. It basically seemed like the development of MERS required an, an underlying illness. Okay. Whereas SARS did not discriminate. It was just fucking attacking people left and right. It didn't matter if you were a f- picture of great health. Or if you're a 92-year-old with every disease in the book. Mm -hmm. So people who are dying from MERS had things like diabetes, cancer, COPD, just really shitty things already. Things that made them not only very susceptible to the virus, but also just really hit their bodies when their bodies were already dealing with shit and they just couldn't handle one more thing on top of their illness. So the mortality rate was higher just because of that. But also, many people who were infected with SARS were otherwise healthy individuals. So they were able to recover at a greater rate. MERS is kind of like COVID-19 in the sense that no one is showing signs and symptoms until after they've already been infectious for days, weeks. Yeah. So that's another reason why the MERS fatality rate was so much higher than Mm -hmm. SARS. You spread it around before you even know. Spread it around and spread it around and spread it around like you're just sprinkling little fairy dust all over people. And it's not fucking fairy dust. Nothing magical is happening here. You're killing people. These two coronaviruses are vastly different than the other common cold type of coronaviruses because they cause more serious illnesses by infecting the lower respiratory tract. Now we're totally up to speed. COVID motherfucking 19. 
the coronavirus. It's so fucking new, this particular strain. So it's hard to answer questions to provide a ton of peace of mind for you guys, but the virus probably operates pretty damn similarly to SARS and MERS. Mm -hmm. This coronavirus is able to infect lungs, obviously. I'm sure everyone has heard about the different symptoms. So it has potential to cause serious viral pneumonia. Mm -hmm. There's been one study at least that shows that it likely uses the ACE2 protein like SARS to bind to our cells, but the study was not using a live virus. So that's where it can kind of be a little bit shifty. Yeah. Is shifty the right word? Yeah, sure. Maybe iffy. Shifty, ifty. Shifty iffy. Icky vicky, you're so icky. If I thought of you any more than I'd be sicky. That's not the right words. Nope. Okay. I'm leaving it in. Okay. So for right now, we basically just kind of have to sit back and wait for the outbreak to be over to really get a lot done as far as research and statistics and things like that go. This particular virus operates very similarly to SARS. The incubation period more than likely is about 14 days. In certain cases, though, it could be more or less. Mm -hmm. So just because you haven't been sick after 14 days doesn't mean that you're in the clear. Right. Which is why they're saying to stay home. Right. I know it's not that easy for everybody, but... The most important thing to do, regardless of if you feel sick or if you feel healthy as fuck, is to just practice good hygiene. Mm -hmm. So wash your hands, cover your cough, sneeze into your elbow, use hand sanitizer when you cannot wash your hands, but please keep in mind that washing your hands is always going to kill more bacteria than hand sanitizer ever will. Refrain from close contact when out in public spots. Stay home if you feel sick. Stay home if you fucking can, okay? Right. Just because just because you don't feel sick doesn't mean you're not going to go somewhere and catch it. Disinfect surfaces to the best of your ability. Avoid, this is a big one, avoid touching your face. I touch my face. Constantly. All goddamn day long. Today when I was in the grocery store, I had to make a fucking conscious effort. Every time I went to like sweep my bangs out of my face or pick my nose, mm-hmm. I <laughs> <laughs> I was like just having to like bat my fucking hand away because I'm like don't do that it's hard so really try as much as you can not to touch your face and then obviously just limit your exposure as best as you can and also try to remember that people are not trying to take your freedoms away right they're trying to save lives trust me when I tell you that America does not want bars and restaurants to be closed or Disney okay god or sports yeah that's not they are losing a shit ton of money as well just like we are losing the ability to go out and have fun so we need to stay alive yeah that is the thing so it's the bigger picture it's not just it's the bigger picture as right in the beginning it was kind of a joke right Mm -hmm. and now it's fucking serious so we have to take it seriously the cdc says quote the best way to prevent illness is to avoid being exposed to this virus end quote this will help because if you are infected and if you're washing your hands and practicing good hygiene you will limit the number of people that you're infecting which in turn will limit the spread of the virus yep and that's all i got roger um my main source for that was this podcast will kill you if you guys aren't listening to them you should be they're two fucking brainiacs it's really that good. know a lot of shit about a lot of shit. And they make it entertaining. Right. So, so what yeah. They, yeah, what they do is a different, it's a different infectious disease every yes. week yep. that they talk about. Yep. And they talked about the Corona one, obviously very, it wasn't very long ago at all. So I sat and listened to it. They have professionals on there, doctors, infectious mm-hmm. disease doctors talking about it. Um, so if you didn't really feel like you got very much from what I was saying, you should go listen to them, especially yeah. if you are having a lot of anxiety or something about it, go listen to that and just educate yourself as much as you can. That's all I've been doing because I, I mean, I have anxiety over everything, but I feel like ingesting as much information about these scary things as I can helps me. 
ingest and digest. I'm taking it in. I'm ingesting. Ingest it. And then digest I digest it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to. You can't and just ingest it. I suck the information in and then I shit it out. <laughs> and then I use two squares of toilet paper. <laughs> Only two. Wipes. two That's all squares. I'm going to ration myself to. And guys, I think it's important to also know that you have to have a sense of fucking humor. Yeah. We can't just, as much as it is kind of just this really big looming cloud over us and it's scary, you have to still live your life mm-hmm. as much as you can inside in your basement and you got a deal because what's the alternative dying being well no i mean <laughs> the alternative to laughing it's not funny don't is worry. being anxious and scared and panicky so right. we can laugh and we still can take it humor. seriously we can find humor in it but still know the precautions that we have to take and that it's really fucked up and that we're incredibly saddened by all of these deaths that are going on mm-hmm. deaths that are going on <laughs> God, I can't say my S's. God. All right. So we are talking in our stories this week about infectious diseases. Mine, they're not really sure what caused it, but it was still kind of like an epidemic. So this is Dancing to Their Death, one of the oddest epidemics ever recorded in world history. Okay. Are you ready for this? I don't think I'm ready, but I'm going to just take a breath. I, I wrote my notes when I was really buzzed, so I don't know what's going to pop up, but okay. we'll see. I'm even more excited now. All right. It was an ordinary July day in 1518 Strasbourg, France. Frau Trophia. Ooh, okay. you've been practicing. We were texting last night, and I told you that I had to look up how to say these names. <laughs> yeah. So I found this one website where it would speak it for you, and it was <laughs> this, like, such an American voice. He goes... Frutrophia. <laughs> Frau Trophia suddenly began shaking that ass in the street. Ooh. There was no music. Get it, Frau Trophia. <laughs> People watched, probably like, what in the fuck is this broad doing? But they began to cheer her on, clapping, <laughs> laughing at her enthusiasm. That's They're what just I'm talking like, about. They're just like a show. Like, fuck yeah. It was a sprinkling of pure joy because they'd been having a really shitty century. Frau danced and danced and danced some more, morning and night, without stopping for six full days. Can you fucking imagine dancing without stopping for six full days? Her feet probably had a lot of blisters on them. I don't even like walking to my car. No. I don't like walking, period. I wish that I had a conveyor belt to just take me places. I want to be carried in a kangaroo pouch. Whenever I see my daughter being like fucking doted on, carried, propped up for a bottle on a on a <laughs> pillow, I'm just like, I wish somebody would hold a bottle for me right. and lean me up against the pillow. I would and love pat to my be belly. swaddled. I bet we could pace. We could find someone. I bet there's like a really dark place on the internet <laughs> that you can like put an ad up that says, please treat me like a baby. Her husband called for her, Frau, come hither. I need a sandwich. But she continued grooving. <laughs> grooving. Moving and grooving, told you baby. I was buzzed. Her feet bloody, sweat pouring oh. from her body like a faucet. I fucking hate that. As the week passed, 34 other people joined in the dancing. By the time a month had passed, 400 people were t- twerking that monkey. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> was she still going? Yeah. They were twerking that monkey. Okay. The mania was in full swing. And at that point, 15 people were dying every day from heart attacks, strokes, and pure exhaustion. Good God. Is it really hot there at that time of year? I mean, it was July. Okay. That's yeah. in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. 
But I still, assume. just the um, men- no, not the mental, the uh, physical toll on your body. Yeah. yeah, they just couldn't stop. Oh, yeah, that makes me tired just thinking about it. Do you know what they? Okay, not like what their bodies looked like, but do you know were they like in a trance? Like, how did their faces look? It's did they hard know? To, yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, it was fifteen, eighteen, mm-hmm. so it's really hard to know for sure. But there's a lot of things that said that you could tell on their faces they didn't want to be dancing oh wow okay they just couldn't stop mm-hmm. they didn't want it it's like they were hypnotized mm-hmm. okay attempting to put an end to the madness town officials thought it would be great and a very smart move to hire musicians and build stages for the afflicted to dance on oh that's nice mm-hmm. they nice. wanted the dancers to get the shit out of their systems and kind of <laughs> speed up <laughs> speed up the process they're like oh, all right no. fine you want to dance then fucking dance <laughs> Here's your fucking stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. It very obviously backfired, and it encouraged more people to join in the <laughs> the ass spasms. <laughs> what? What were what you drinking? Because I want some of that. I was drinking the wine I'm drinking right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> ass spasms. God damn. All right. After consulting with doctors and astronomers, like, of course, astronomers. That's that seems like a logical who you choice. talk to. Yeah. The nobles decided that this uncontrollable dancing was a natural disease caused by hot blood. Ooh. Hot blood, honey. Hot blooded. So I guess their blood was too hot and they had to just like they just shake, had to shake it, it, it all out. It was hot. Yeah. God. Could you? Oh, that sounds like the, I would, that was, that would be the worst fucking disease to get. I fucking hate hot being blood? hot. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine just like burning up like inside? <laughs> that was a good one. That's a good shimmy shake. That's a good name for a band. Hot blood. 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 Okay. okay. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. After over a month of straight up boogie town, the dancers were hauled to a shrine dedicated to St. Vitus in the hills above the town of Severn. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Severn. 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 No, I can't How stop. How is it spelled? S-A-V-E-R-N-E. Savern. 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 Savern Blanc. <laughs> That's what I'm drinking. Uh, St. Vitus is the patron saint of actors, entertainers, and dancers. Ooh. He's also said to help protect against, just wait, lightning, dog bites, and oversleeping. Okay. I put LOL. <laughs> Tell me how one man can have so many different specialties. Isn't that random though? Yeah. Dog, dog bites bite. and oversleeping. Hmm. I would love for someone to help me oversleep. <laughs> Please. It. Yeah. It was thought that St. Vitus was punishing sinners and had the ability to make them dance nonstop. So it's like he was punishing the sinners so everybody in the town would know who the sinners were mm-hmm. because they were the ones dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So their bloody feet were put into red shoes when they were led to this statue of St. Vitus, they were led around the wooden figurine and the dancing stopped. Record scratch, freeze frame. <laughs> People regained their senses and life returned to normal. What? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> there are other accounts of this type of mania afflicting other areas throughout history. In the 1020s in Bernburg in Saxony... A group of people began dancing uncontrollably around a church in the middle of a Christmas Eve service. Oh wow! They, they were just feeling the spirit. Peaced out and then danced around the church. They probably just didn't want to be inside. <laughs> <laughs> they were bored. Yeah. <laughs> in 1278, an outbreak caused 200 people to dance on a bridge across the River Meuse in Germany, making the fucker collapse. 
my god. Yeah, so they were dancing on the bridge. She was people. Just, I can just picture I just picture it in my head. Like all this yeah. here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing a bunch of barefoot women and men. Yeah. And they have their hands above their heads like this and they're just like bum I wish our listeners could see you right now because it's grand. <laughs> okay. Okay. In 1428, a monk in Schaffhausen danced until he died, and there were various other outbreaks during the next 200 years all over Europe. You know what I think about with this? Can hmm. you imagine if it happened now? The memes. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> could you just... <laughs> Oh my god! I could just see myself as a meme, oh, shimmying, right? That would be horrible. As a as a gif, as a gif, a gif, not a gif. Nope, it's just a gif. A GIF. <laughs> no reason for any of this has ever been found. Some people think it was heretical rituals to attract divine favor. Oh, for the love of demonic possession, which is dumb, a real illness, or just a social phenomenon, a really intense case of peer pressure, which is interesting. Some historians think it could have been epilepsy or typhus, but those wouldn't explain all of the behaviors of the afflicted. Yeah. In the 20th century, historians thought maybe this was happening because people could have consumed bread made from rye flour that was contaminated with the fungal disease ergot. Ergot is known to cause convulsions and is sometimes known as St. Anthony's Fire. That's another good band name. Yeah. It can also cause hallucinations, miscarriage, and result in death. A lot of evidence points to the dancing as being a cultural contagion, which is the most likely, in my personal opinion at least. Yeah, I agree. A mass psychogenic disorder triggered when life got hard, because famines, smallpox, and syphilis had ravaged the area and people were overwhelmed. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) But, I mean, they didn't want to be dancing. I don't know. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting, too. That whole, what did you say, ergot? Ergot. Ergot? Yeah, ergot. That thing is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Because I guess, like, the wind blows it onto, hold on. Sure. Hold on. It gets blown onto, like, the rye, which is milled into flour. I, I guess it grows, like, spores, kind of like like a like a mushroom right. fungus. Yeah. But if they don't know what's there. I don't know. It's hard to know. They were miserable and dying. That but sucks. Oh, my God. I guess, I mean, and they suffered. So I guess it's not that great of a disease to have. None of them are. No, it's just one of, like, the more interesting <laughs> it's things. It's just really crazy to me how it s- seemed to spread. Right. Like people joined in. Yeah. If you just think about it. Like that's what's different to me is that mm-hmm. so clearly people were still either consuming something or they were it. it People didn't just go up and dance because they felt bad for the right. people dancing. Right. You know, uh-huh. it's just so weird. And it's well documented too. Yeah. Throughout history. So Katie. So Tori, I know what you're doing, but like I said, I think I remember it a lot differently. Your memory is a little skewed. I titled mine typhoid fever what the fuck is it this is the story of typhoid mary typhoid fever is caused by a bacteria known as salmonella typhi after infecting its host it is passed to others by food or water that has been contaminated close contact as well as contact with an infected person's urine or fecal matter can also spread the bacteria so moral of the story don't play with someone's shit wash your fucking hands Mm -hmm. covid19 damn it symptoms in the infected may take up to a week to occur so essentially, you could be walking around, pooping on people, and swapping spit with your boyfriend and not even know that you have it yet. <sighs> By the time you know, it's too late because you've already been unintentionally infecting other people. Some of the symptoms of typhoid fever are fatigue, muscle aches, sweating, gastrointestinal distress, abdominal pain, swelling, and obviously, fever. 
<laughs> Clearly. You don't say. Yeah. Without treatment, the disease can cause delirium, also known as, quote, typhoid state, end quote. Hallucinations, twitching, grabbing, or swinging the arms at things that are not apparent or visible to other, to other people, paranoid psychosis, inflammation of the heart, pancreas, or brain, and intestinal bleeding. Oh, that sounds right? fucking awful. Right? Yeah. They, these deaths were incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. Typhoid is treatable, but vaccinations are not 100% effective. Here's a bit of a timeline. In 1880, cause of the disease was confirmed. The bacteria that I mentioned is known as Salmonella typhi. An immunization was created in 1911, not 100% effective, and then in 1948, an antibiotic became available. Now, let's go back to 1907. There were 3,000 people diagnosed in the New York area alone. However, it was not mainstream until it hit Oyster Bay and infected the affluent. Typhoid fever was known primarily as a poor person's disease, which is really just fucked up. That's so stupid. Right? Meaning it wasn't common with the rich and famous. In the 1800s especially, but also in the early to mid-1900s, handwashing wasn't really exactly a normal hygienic practice. It seems weird now to think about not washing your hands after you poop or you pee, but it just wasn't a thing. Back then, it just wasn't even a thought in people's minds, so it was obviously fairly easy to transmit the disease just by shaking hands after taking a piss. Now, to put things into perspective, this is from straightdope.com. Quote, Typhoid has been a major killer for centuries. There were about 215,000 battle deaths during the U.S. Civil War on both sides, mostly dysentery and typhoid. End quote. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. If you think about the Civil War and how many people it killed, typhoid killed more than that. Yeah. That's insane. Which is so great that we know now how to prevent this stuff or how to slow it down. Right. Because they had no idea. That's why so many people died. No idea. Yeah. So enter Miss Mary Malin, who you may know as Typhoid Mary. Not much is known about Mary Malin's early life. From Wikipedia, quote, Mary Malin was born in 1869 in Cookstown County, Tyrone, what is now Northern Ireland. She migrated to the United States in either 1883 or 1884 when she was either 14 or 15, and she lived with her aunt and uncle for a time and later found work as a cook for affluent families, end quote. So Mary first started doing random domestic servant jobs but in 1900, an employer discovered that she was a wonderful cook and put her in the kitchen. Great. Just put her in the kitchen. Just, Just put her, put in her, the her right in there. That's where women be along. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Between the years of 1900 and 1907, she worked for a number of families. Typhoid followed her everywhere she went. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Seven of the eight jobs that she held during those years had families that were sick. Seven families, 22 people, one death that is known of. In the summer of 1906, Mary was hired to be a summer cook by Charles Henry Warren, a prominent wealthy New York banker. So you know he doesn't get it. No, no. No, not his family. He's affluent. Yeah, he's got a lot of money in the bank. Oh my god, I cannot get typhoid. (sighs) Never heard of such a thing. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off, Charles Henry. Typhoid? Why, I never. Only sewer rats get those. (laughs) Only my servants that cook my food. So, Charles Henry Warren was renting a summer home in Long Island that was owned by George Thompson. In August of 1906, while at the home that he rented, Charles's daughter got sick with typhoid. Shortly after his daughter got sick, her sister, her mother, 
a gardener, and two maids also fell ill. Jesus. Mm -hmm. The owner of the home, George, was afraid that the area water source was contaminated. He found a professional, New York City Department of Health sanitary engineer, George Soper, who specialized in typhoid outbreaks. He hired him to do a little investigating. A little investigating. A little sleuthing, if you will. George Soper. He wore a trench coat. And a top hat. What year is this? 1906. You know what he had? A newspaper. A monocle. He did. Attached to his shirt pocket. Mm -hmm. And he also had a handlebar mustache. And a pocket watch. At first, it was believed that freshwater clams were a likely source. Oh. Yeah, just random. But... It must be the clams. (laughs) It must be the clams because, you know, I eat rich people food. (laughs) What are those fucking things? Sardines. Oysters. Oyster crackers. I love it. Caviar. That's what I was thinking. Only the best for my family. Typhoid. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) God. But that was quickly disputed when they found out that not everyone who was sick had eaten the clams. Somehow, George was able to link Mary Mallon as a probable source of the disease. How? From (laughs) straightdope.com. From straightdope.com, quote, In 1906, the strange outbreaks of cases in New York attracted the suspicion of Dr. George Soper. Typhoid usually strikes in poor, unsanitary conditions. Cases among the rich and sanitary were unusual. He discovered that the common element was an unmarried, heavy-set Irish cook, about 40 years old. No one knew her whereabouts. After each case, she left and gave no forwarding address. Dr. Soper traced her to an active outbreak in a Park Avenue penthouse. Two servants were hospitalized and the daughter of the family died. End quote. There we fucking go talking about being heavy set again. (laughs) Can we fuck off, please? No, but it really is worth saying, though, that diseases can spread, especially back then, I'm sure, and still now, spread very quickly in poor communities. Yeah, right. Not everyone's got running water, even today. Right. It's not always possible to wash your hands or buy hand sanitizer or antibacterial germ-killing soap. It's just, it's not like that for everybody. Manhattan's Park Avenue was her next job, which Soper was able to track her to and followed her. Mm -hmm. He's on the case. He's on to something, lad. I spot Mary. 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 Mary Mellon, is that you? Okay. Soper needed to test her bodily fluids for the bacteria to see if she was the carrier. So he just decided to walk right in there and be like, hey, Mary. Yo, Mary. Could I get some of your pee? (laughs) Piss in this fucking cup for me, Mary. (laughs) This would have revealed that Mary was 100% the reason for the Warren family's typhoid outbreak. From George Soper, The Curious Case of Typhoid Mary. Quote, I had my first talk with Mary in the kitchen of this house. I suppose it was an unusual kind of interview, particularly when the place is taken into consideration. I was as diplomatic as possible, but I had to say I suspected her of making people sick and that I wanted specimens of her urine, feces, and her blood. It did not take Mary long to react to the suggestion. She seized a carving fork and advanced in my direction. I passed rapidly down the long, narrow hall, through the tall iron gate, and out through the area, and so to the sidewalk. I felt rather lucky to escape. I confessed to myself that I had made a bad start. End quote. <laughs> the fuck? What? Yeah. Yeah. You made a bad yeah, fucking start, George. 
come on he just waltzed right into her home and said give me some of your blood what i would take a yeah. fucking carving knife and right. pitter patter after you too <laughs> pitter patter god damn now it's important to note that there are periods of remission for carriers she was tested at one point and it was determined that she was not a carrier it is said that she may have been in a period of remission during the time the test was conducted this led mary to believe that she was not infecting people was not a carrier of the disease bacteria and that she could just go on living normally pooping in people's stew just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you were looking so serious and i just had to like <laughs> you really socked it to me there <laughs> lighten things up but yeah so she just after i mean she had a test done and she it was told her they told her that she was not a carrier so she was like okay i can do this and everyone will be fine it's not mm-hmm. me it's something else clearly but even though it was said that she wasn't a carrier soper could not give up he knew that it had to be mary i must find the cause i must i must if it's the last thing that i do i must i must i, I must increase, increase my bust, bust. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> she okay. was not <laughs> She was the only common denominator to all of these families in the typhoid fever outbreak. By the time that Soper caught up with her, the Manhattan's family daughter was dying of typhoid and his servant was sick. The New York City Health Department was contacted by Soper for help to get Mary to submit to testing. Dr. Josephine Baker was sent to see her. Mary again refused to cooperate, so they were pretty much backed into a corner and they sent police after her. Police came alongside Dr. Baker and Mary was taken to Willard Parker Hospital. It was said that Dr. Baker had to sit on her to contain her on the way to the hospital. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Baker later said, quote, it was like being in a cage with an angry lion. Wow. End quote. Isn't that like, just picturing that gives me the chills. It makes you wonder, though, uh-huh. what she really thought they were going to do or. And I'll get to what my she really suspicion. Knew. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to my suspicion about that. So bodily fluids were then tested three times a week for months during her forced quarantine. Most tests came back positive for the bacteria, some came back negative, and by most came back positive I mean that she was tested 163 times and 120 came back positive. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like overwhelming numbers. While in custody at the hospital, medical professionals offered to take her gallbladder out because they just kind of assumed that that was the source of the infection and the gallbladder is a non-essential organ. She refused and remained locked up for two years before suing for her release. And when I say they just like were like, oh, hey, maybe it's in your gallbladder. There must be some kind of science behind that. Malin then made a deal with the health department which is just fucking this just listen to this she could go free if she checked in with them every three months and if she promised not to cook for other families so she put her hand behind her back crossed her fingers and fucking agreed oh my god she then disappeared and said bye losers like come on right you just make a deal (laughs) i don't like yeah and you just expect her to do it okay she tried working doing other servant jobs so she really did try it you have to think she's an immigrant she's young she's probably like no i don't want to sit in confinement for the rest of my life i want to you know build a life for myself Mm -hmm. so she did try to do those other servant jobs but they just they didn't pay enough Mm -hmm. so she went back to cooking and infecting did it seem like she was kind of infamous by now in the area like would it have been hard for her to find a job yeah media had been talking about her Um, So she either just simply did not give a single fuck or she just really believed that she wasn't carrying the disease. So this is the the suspicion that I was talking about. It was later said that maybe she had been living with this bacteria for her entire life. So since that bacteria can cause you to be delusional, 
maybe she was just completely delusional about it. Maybe. You know, um, since that's one of the major symptoms of typhoid fever. Mm -hmm. And if you have it festering. So after escaping her quarantine and working as a cook again, Mary took up different aliases. Two of her known aliases were Mrs. Brown and Marie Breshoff. She worked at a hotel and sanatorium in various areas. We aren't really able to know for sure how many cases she caused, but it's safe to say that it was a lot, and I will get into more of that later. Papers and the media began calling her Typhoid Mary. She was the very first example of an asymptomatic patient that was ever studied. Mm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Edward B. Cragen, an obstetrician at Sloan Hospital for Women, had more than 20 people ill due to typhoid at that time. Oh my god. From George Soper's book, quote, Here comes Mr. Soper. <laughs> so from his book, quote, One day, Dr. Edward B. Cragen, head OB and gynecologist at Sloan Hospital for Women, telephoned me, asking that I come at once to the hospital to see him about a matter of great importance. When I arrived there, he said he had a typhoid epidemic of more than 20 cases on his hands. The other servants had jokingly nicknamed the cook Typhoid Mary. She was out at the moment, but would I recognize her handwriting if she was really that woman? He handed me a letter from which I saw at once that the cook was indeed Mary Matlin, and I also identified her from his description. I advised that the health department be notified, and it was not long before Mary was again taken. End quote. Soper was able to identify Malin via the handwriting, obviously. Via his monocle. Yeah. And Malin was arrested and quarantined for cooking, as she promised not to. Fuck. Yeah. George then went to visit Mary in hopes of bringing about change, convincing her to remove the infection, whatever. From his book again. You guys are going to get real tired of me doing this. I'm never going to get tired of you doing this. <laughs> okay. Quote, Mary, I continued, I don't know how long the Department of Health intends to keep you here. I believe that depends partly on you. But I can help you. If you will answer my questions, I will do everything I possibly can to get you out. I will do more than you think. I will write a book about your case. I will not mention your real name. I will carefully hide your identity. I will guarantee that you will get all the profits. It will be easy for you to answer my questions. You know what I want to find out. Above all, I want to know if and when you have had typhoid fever and how many outbreaks and cases you have seen. As I finished with my back there against the door, Mary rose. She pulled her bathrobe about her and, not taking her eyes off of mine, slowly opened the door to her toilet and vanished within. <gasps> the door slammed. There was no need of my waiting. It was apparent that Mary did not intend to speak to me. So I left the place. End quote. <laughs> He's so dramatic, isn't he? I was just going to say the drama. God. George. God. Lord. Okay. So Mary was then sent to North Brother Island, an island in East River, to be quarantined. People at this hospital were suffering from illnesses such as yellow fever, smallpox, TB, and typhoid. Malin lived there until 1938. This reminded me of Alcatraz because mm -hmm. you're just shipping these people to this one area and you can kind of just see them yeah. <laughs> from far away, but they're being held there. Obviously, they did things mm -hmm. and these people were just infected with something, but still, we're going to put a picture of it. It looks just like a ghost, like a like a spooky haunt. I've never seen it. I want to see it. From Wikipedia, quote, Malin spent the rest of her life in quarantine at the Riverside Hospital. Six years before her death, she was paralyzed by a stroke. On November 11th, 1938, she died of pneumonia at age 69, end quote. 
Only nine people attended Mary's funeral, and no one went to her burial. Hmm. That's still sad. That is sad. Isn't it? Ugh. I wonder if there's any record of her infecting anybody in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to know. Whether or not she truly had an autopsy done is highly disputed among Mary Malin researchers. Those who said that she did have an autopsy done say that there was a high concentration of bacteria in her gallbladder, which proves that the medical professionals' theories would have been correct. Some say an autopsy was never done. We will never fucking know, obviously. And this is the problem with old cases. Things are a bit convoluted. Mm-hmm. I wonder... I don't wonder anything. I was just going to say that was probably just like a hard fucking life for her. Unless she was doing shit on purpose, then I don't right. care about how hard her life was. Right. Most of what we know of her is through George Soper and other writings. Mary spent 26 years in forced isolation. 26 yeah. of her 69 years. That is was, awful. Yeah. It is confirmed that she infected 51 people and three of those people died. It really is just totally impossible to know exactly how many she infected because of her aliases as well. Her most infamous dish was ice cream with fresh peaches. It was said to be her delicious yet lethal meal that caused outbreaks, as well as her poor hand washing and lack of desire to practice proper hygiene. She's been called Typhoid Mary, the most dangerous woman in America, a one-woman epidemic. Uh-huh. Yeah, isn't that just... Ugh. Okay, did they do the right thing to quarantine her? Did she truly believe she wasn't infecting people, or did she simply not give a fuck? Was she a victim, or was she a villain? We may never know. What we do know is, typhoid, fever, and death followed her wherever she went. If we were playing a game of Clue, it was Mary Mallon with her bodily fluids in the kitchen. (laughs) In the (laughs) kitchen. True. And that is the story of Typhoid Mary. Hi, everybody from the Slay Queens podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Thompson. And I'm also your host, Ashley Zoic. How are you, Ashley? I'm wonderful. How are you, Wayne? I'm doing very well. I do have a question, though. I have an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confident that you do. (laughs) Ashley, what exactly is a Slay Queens podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, It is a show where you and I are both dedicated to the discussion of true crimes that affect the LGBTQIA plus community. I feel like that might be a lot for our listeners Mm -hmm. just to kind of absorb and comprehend. Can Mm -hmm. you give us uh, an AKA? I'm happy you asked that as well, Wayne. (laughs) We are also known as the show that takes a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Oh, that is correct. Yes, ma'am, we do. Mm -hmm. And I happen to love the sound of that. I do too. And if you listeners love the sound of that, please, please, please uh, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. And we would be forever grateful. We would. So go out and slay queens. Just not each other. Just not each other. (laughs) Okay, Katie. Yes. Reading, watching, listening. I'm reading articles about the coronavirus. I'm watching videos of our elected officials talk about the coronavirus. And I'm listening to podcasts Podcast about, about the coronavirus. coronavirus. Uh huh. Yeah. I kind of assume. Same for you. Okay. Same for me. The only thing I did want to mention was. I'm terrible with reality TV. We've talked about this before. I watched the finale of The Bachelor. I'm fucking annoyed. Fuck off. I don't... Just, I can't commiserate because I have no clue. Every time that a new season of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette ends, number one, I want to barf. Number two, I say I'm never going to watch it again. Number three, when it rolls again, when it rolls again, rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> <laughs> when it rolls back around i always fucking watch it because i hate myself you know it's pre-decided um, at the beginning right who they're gonna pick no it's it isn't pre-decided real. but they do know like their top two or three i don't think they get to pick even i think they're told who to pick they do i guarantee you i'll bet they you do. i will bet they you. do 
they do. Um, in addition to reading every single article that I can find about the coronavirus, I'm also reading a couple of books that I want to tell you about. I'm reading Eat, Pray, FML. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. So Eat, Pray, FML is by Gabrielle Stone. I'm only on page 109, but it's just funny. It's a lighthearted read. It's about her life, which it's is non-fiction. just as fucked up as ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's funny. She tells it in a way that is comical and kind of like makes her life and hard things that she's gone through into something that she can learn from, which is really cool. So gotcha. after reading so many thrillers and psychological thrillers and writing so many thrillers, I needed a little bit of a break from reading and watching and listening and all of that. I get it. So. I, mean, I just no, needed I to like it, decompress. I understand. Yeah, I needed to decompress a little bit. So that's what I'm doing with Eat, Pray, FML. Um, I downloaded a few other books, but of course they're thrillers. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to be on the back burner, and I'll tell you about them when it's time. Yeah. A lot of our indie author friends have some free books going on right now, yes. too, because a lot of people are stuck at home. And all of our books are on sale for 99 cents. If you want to see anything about our books, our show notes, our sources, you can go to cruelinkmedia.com. Yep. If you would like to send us an email, a story, anything you want, you can email us at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. It's really important to do that because we need to have some content for these short bonus episodes when we do those. Send it to us. Sock it to us. Hard, baby. Hard. Hard. Rock hard. Fucking hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our Instagram is cruel and unusual the pod. At cruel and unusual the pod. You know there's an at. You know don't that be, there's an don't at. Be don't like be that. silly. Okay. Don't be like that. Our Twitter is at cruel unusual pod. Okay. Yeah. And come hang out with us in our Facebook group that is Ooh. Cruel and Unusual the group. Love the Facebook group. It's fun in there. We don't hold back. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, we announced this. We are going to be at the Dark Horror Convention. Dark Horror and History Con is the full Dark name. Dark Horror. Horror. I just felt like shortening it because I'm drunk and I'm lazy. It's fine. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, we announced that we're going to be there. That's in October, so we'll be promoting it on social media and stuff. But mm-hmm. if you like things that are dark and twisted and fucked up and just out there Mm -hmm. you want to be there it's in illinois so if you live in illinois come come see see us us. hopefully covid19 covid19 is gone by then i really fucking or not as much of a threat to the world yeah agreed i think this is gonna be the end of the episode it's the end of the episode love you bye we love you bye